Oh my god. How cool. I love that. So exciting. Wow. Hi, I'm Pip and this is Jumbled Loves a Chat. Amazing. Love that it. Is stunning. That is like so flipping true. Let's come and get your coffee. <laughs> Cheers to that. Today's guest is one of my favourite artists and also one of my favourite humans. She's living on a farm in remote northern New South Wales, pretty much living the dream. After initially working as a fashion designer and then in homewares, she is now a full-time artist and a bloody good one at that. A very big welcome to the insanely talented Kate Owen. Hello, Kate. What a wrap. Thank you. very nice. <laughs> no, it's all very true. You're so you're so clever and you're joining us today from North North Star. Yeah, uh so I live about I'm actually closer to Cropper Creek. Oh. So it's northern New South Wales. We're about an hour southeast of the Queensland border. Okay. So I Gundawindi's my town, takes me an hour to drive to town. Isn't that the state's friendliest town? <laughs> yes, on the we, sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they won, I think, last year the uh, big tourism award for the friendliest town in, and it is. How do you well. judge? How do you judge that in a competition? Yeah, good question. You walk into I, the, I don't the first hundred people, yeah. they smile and be nice to me. I love that. It's a yeah. great thing. So we like currently that. have twenty of your pieces on exhibition at the Sonic, and they look so spectacular. So. Like when I first floated uh-huh. the idea with you back at the start of, you know, COVID lockdown um, at the start of the yeah. year, I knew it was going to be amazing, but I, I didn't I didn't think it'd be this amazing. Like it's real and all together as 20 pieces just looks so outstanding. Yeah, well, it was such an amazing thing for me to do too because it, I really haven't had that many solo exhibitions and, and chances to work on one big body of work at the one time. Yeah. So it was just a fantastic thing to do because, and you'll see when you look at them, you can see the, the um, sort of graduation of going from this painting then on to the next one and one thing flows into the other. So they're, they're different but there's, you can definitely see a theme running through them which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah I really enjoy doing that. it. Like they're all very different but they all feel the same in a way. Yes, the same related. Fabulousness. Yeah. Fabulousness. Yeah. <laughs> so I think we should take it back to the beginning because I think that the journey to where we are all now is often the most fascinating winding road and mm, you're a very yeah. interesting one. What was your childhood like, Kate, and where did you grow up? Well, funnily enough, not too far from here. And it's ironic, isn't it? Because I swore to my mother I was never going to marry a farmer. <laughs> Look at me now. Oh, so God, I was, I was going to go to Melbourne. Man, her husband, he's such a beautiful <laughs> Yeah. He's, he's a farmer through and through, but, yeah, it's adorable. Um, so I grew up outside Moree. So Moree, it's only an hour from here. Yeah. And... Um, Went to the local Catholic school there and um, then we went. So we lived, when I was tiny, we lived about half an hour out of town, out of Moray, and then we moved a bit closer. So we were only like 
10 minutes out of town or something, which when I got married to Mick, mum just nearly fell over because she said, oh, my God, you're living further out of town than I ever did. (laughs) So she was a bit shocked about that um, as well as I was. Um, Anyway, so after school, we went off to boarding school in Toowoomba when I was 11. So, um, that's young. Yeah, I would, well, because in those days, um, New South Wales, I think, um, year, we went to year six mm-hmm. and we kind of missed year seven because Queensland boarding school started in year eight. There was no year mm-hmm. seven. Yeah. So I went straight from year six to year eight. So I was only 11 and I think back now, God, that's really young. Um, anyway, yeah, it's got up to lots of mischief at at boarding school I was a bit naughty and most people now go oh my god I can't believe that you were so naughty at school but yeah I think I just it was a bit of a rebel at school (laughs) but um in one way or another I managed to finish high school and then I I went on to do um I did art all through school and and were you good at it then yeah, well, fun, yes, but funnily enough, I, I'm a real organisational freak. Like I love I can tell spreadsheets and I love being organised. I'm a bit anal about it. And um, so in year 10, I went to do work experience in a bank of all places and I wanted to be an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I can laugh about it now, but I was deadly serious at the time until my art teacher put me straight and started ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yeah, I had a great art teacher in year 11 and 12, so that sort of helped me, you know, move in a creative direction, I suppose, after school. So I chose, but, of course, much to my father's dismay, I chose fashion after school. Yes. And I remember him saying to me, oh, God, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Because I, I hear they pay terribly. You're like, you know, they don't pay very much. I go, oh, yes, but I have to do it, Dad. I love it, you know. Anyway, so off I went to, I did a, a one-year course with a diploma in fashion design at, I think it's Carl von Busset. I think they're still going. Anyway, in Sydney. Yeah. And, um and I got a I got a job with Table Eight, It'd be oh just right at the gosh, end of college. I have not heard that brand. <laughs> Is it still around? I know. Well, I don't know to be honest, but I've all I haven't seen. They used to have a lot of retail shops as oh, well, yes, and I haven't seen is. any of those for ages. So I think maybe they've. I don't know whether they've gone or not, I've or they're still there. around in some. Yeah, I had my time with Table Eight, and then. Um, and then I, um, what did I do after that? Oh, I decided that I had my father in my ear all the time. He's a big um, uh, work for yourself person. Yeah. He always has been. And so he was always in my ear. Don't work for other people. You've got to work for yourself. What are you doing working for other people? I said, well, getting experience, you know. <laughs> anyway, so I, after the experience with Table 8 in Sydney, I'd had enough of the city. I tended to come and go and come and go. So I went back home for a while and I decided to open up my own business, mm-hmm. making bridal gowns. Oh. It was called, it was called was Designer. This is in Moree. No, what so this is where I grew I up. I want to know what year it was so I can envision what the wedding dresses look like. Uh, okay. Well, I 
when did I finish? I finished school in 88. I went to college in 89. I worked for Table 8 for 1991, 92. So this would be 93. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Maury. Yeah, Maury. And what was the name? Driving Metropolis. What was the name of your bridal store? Uh, it was called, well, it wasn't just that. Like it, it was called Designer Occasions. So basically we were designing and making uh, outfits for occasions. So be that from a wedding, uh, a lot of formal gowns, yeah. bridesmaids, um, it, anything really, you know, good outfits for people to wear wherever or just anything if you especially people who found it hard to buy off the rack you know that sort of thing and so I had a shop at the front that had racks and I would make my own label and put that on the rack to sell ready-made and then we would make to order lots of other things so um, I think that's why I don't do commissions now is because I I had this experience of making a bridal gown is like the ultimate commission piece and so much blood, sweat and tears went into those things and it just basically burnt me out. I I exhausted every every last drop in that. So after that, I don't think I've actually made anything since then. I just just much prefer to buy off the rack now. (laughs) So you're making... Occasional wear. Uh, yes, so I had my shop in Moree, making bridal gowns and whatever else. Um, then I went through a period of unemployment, which was I was just doing odd stuff for mum and dad. And then I decided, what did I do then? Oh, yeah, fell in love with a boy and then, of course, decided I was going to go overseas with him. Oh. <laughs> so that's, I had an overseas time overseas which was really in in retrospect it was a great um such a great opportunity to learn so much about retail because I just worked for a temp agency in London and I went and worked a lot in Harrods, Harvey Nichols, like all those sorts of places Uh, and it was such an eye-opener like you know I I, (laughs) this is probably the highlight of how ridiculous it got I once worked on the um, on a makeup counter that was selling. It was for black women, so I, white girl, was selling makeup to black women, and then you'd get women in burkas coming and buying all the makeup, and you couldn't even see them. <laughs> so it was and just you were the it was insane. Oh yes, well, kind of not. So really. is that the man you married? No. Oh. But, uh, no. <laughs> No, it wasn't actually. We so we had our time over there, and you know, I I pretty much I didn't actually uh, really go so many places sightseeing. I really did just work a lot. So my sightseeing was the inside of stores mostly. Um, but we broke up. So when I, then I came back, and I actually um, lived at the Gold Coast for a while because Mum and Dad had a unit there. So I thought, oh, that's convenient. I'll just move in there. So I, I had a bit of a time period there where I was uh, working um, for, I was managing the Jag shop at Pacific Fair. Oh, yes, yeah. So, yeah, when it was, I mean, it's all changed now because they've redone it and everything. But that also was a really good lesson in, I had to manage staff, you know, and that was tricky 
at the best of times, um, as you would well know. Yes. And just full on, it's, you know, managing people really. But it was a great experience. So I had that for a while. Um, then again, probably got sick of the city and <laughs> decided to, uh, you know, I have missed, missed a few bits there. Before I went overseas with that boy, I did actually spend time in Grafton, which was yeah. where he was living. And I worked for Big W as the ladies' web manager. Experience. <laughs> yeah, and, and all ends of it from like, you know, um, Big W, which is really just your basic, you know, mass market kind of thing, through to, you know, boutique like Jag and through to then top end like Harrods, mm. um, that sort of thing. So, yes, I've seen the whole 360, really. Yeah, just great experience. I did come home for a while. I think then I came home for a while again after that and was sort of in between jobs again. Um, you know, mum and dad always the backup go, what can I do at home, mum? You know, I'm in between. So yeah. at that time, that was when I met Nick, my, my, my husband. That's where I was home. And uh, funnily enough, I was in and out of Maureen for like working for mum and dad for six months and going, around and Mick was actually working in town for a coffee company yeah. and we didn't even like I'd never passed him in the street I didn't know him from a bar of soap and then just before um I'd made up my mind that I was going to give the city one more go yeah. and so and and fashion because that's what I'd trained to do so I <clears throat> looked for a job in Sydney and I found this uh, job with a company called Conange. Okay. And they did a lot of denim and stuff like that. Anyway, um, I, so I applied for that job and I did get it. And so a week before I was due to move to Sydney for the new job, mm. I went to the Inverell picnic races with a girlfriend and she said, just come along, organise everything. I'll organise someone to drive us. We'll go in a group, whatever. So I turned up at her house and lo and behold, who was our driver? Oh. Michael, my husband. Oh, my God. Our husband. Anyway, so met, met him and we went off to the races. He was driving car full of, full of girls. So he was like our chaperone for like five or six girls <laughs> for the whole day. Anyway, I was sort of out to have a big party because, of course, I was leaving. For the big time. And, uh, yeah, it's had a while of a time, but um, Mick, unbeknownst to me, I think Mick was hell-bent on me not getting away. <laughs> so oh. we um, sort of started seeing each other after that night. But, of course, I moved to, we literally had one night where he cooked me dinner at his house and after that I moved to Sydney. Oh, and so. He, um, I think we spoke every single day for eight months when I was in Sydney and until he wore me down <laughs> and said, <laughs> right, will you come out, come out here and live with me? So I quit the job and moved out to North Star and um, in with Michael into the biggest bachelor pad you've ever seen. Like it was with a house we're in now, obviously, but um yeah, a lot smaller and it was just all off like cream off white sort of walls and timber floors and there was that was it. There was not a shred of colour in the place. <laughs> so of course I, I immediately set about rectifying that. 
I think I woke him up on New Year's Day with a paintbrush and said, right, get to it. We're, we're starting to paint some life into this house. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we proceeded to, and of course he's hilarious because he very quickly learned that just to say yes to me because I would go through all the colour swatches and things and, and hold up this tiny little piece of cardboard and say, this is going to be the most fantastic colour in the kitchen. Can't you just see it? And he'd go, no, I can't, I can't see it. I'm just going to trust that you know what you're doing. And so he just let me do whatever, you know. So we have a very colourful house. Such a colourful house with so um, much art. There's barely any wall left, really. I know. I know. This is why I um, sort of... It probably is a good thing because it puts a break on me buying too many more pieces. My, in saying that, I've just I've got three pieces at the framer <laughs> that I bought <laughs> to be framed and hung somewhere. <laughs> You're running because, of course, now being surrounded by all these new amazing artists that I'm getting to know, I'm like, oh, God, I love her work. I love his work. I need a piece of that and a piece of that, and, you know. That's so it's nice that. too when you get to know the artists and who yeah. they are to have a piece of their work. I think hearing yeah. the story uh, behind the artist or knowing a bit about them makes you love their work even more. It's like when you find out the meaning of an artwork or the name, it makes yeah, you love it yeah. like even more. So when did you actually start painting? Were you painting at all during? Well, no, not really. Oh, we, we, got, uh, we got married in 2000. Yeah. And I, just before we got married, and that early, before I had kids, mind you, that wasn't long. I was pregnant three months after we were married, so that didn't leave much time. <laughs> but I did manage to squeeze in a little bit of painting. When I was in Sydney, before I came out here, I did actually go and do some um, painting lessons to learn how to use oil paints with a lady in Sydney. And the typical me style, I didn't just start and do something small. Uh, she taught me actually how to um, make my own frames. So I literally was there with this hand saw and these massive pieces of pine and actually saw it to make my own frames. And they weren't just, you know, this big. They were like 1.5 metres wide by and I couldn't fit them in the car and oh, all sorts of things. So I did three massive frames. Yeah. And um, so I did, yeah, learn how to use oils with her um but then and came home and and did those painted those three massive ones um and i do remember painting one of them was of a photo of, of some beautiful italian buildings in italy where we had our honeymoon yeah that's still in our bedroom mum's got one and i think I've, I've we've got the other one but it's um uh it's a bit maimed so it's sort of hiding in the corner somewhere anyway so after that though through all the time that kids were growing up, it was just, I uh, just had my hands full and couldn't get my head around trying to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I really didn't do much painting at all. I, I did do the odd workshop here or there, but also because I chose a different route, I, I put all my energy to, well, not only the kids, but also then doing... Um, we had this party plan business I had with a friend. Yeah. She was a caterer and, um, and I, I was really into gifts and homewares and 
all that beautiful stuff. And so we decided to team up and we thought because, it, you know, that was probably, oh, well, that was early 2000s and they were still, you know, in the rural communities, not a lot of great retail shops. And so we decided that we would get um, a trailer and we'd pack it full of stuff and we'd go ask people who wanted to have a party at their house and then we'd we'd travel off to God knows where, whoop, whoop, you know, out wherever and to to these people's houses and we would sort of do a makeshift shop. So I was in charge of doing all the the gifts and homewares, the retail side of it, and then Kelly would, um, she would make a beautiful lunch and then so everyone would invite lots of friends and they'd all pay X amount to come and have their meal and that money would that they paid for the meal would go to charity of the hostess choosing and all sorts of things. And meanwhile, they would get to shop all these, you know, fun things. Great idea. Um, so that was really fun. So then we decided we'd look for premises and that would be easier if we actually had a bricks and mortar shop to put this stuff in and stop travelling around so much because it was really, you know, lots of hours in the car and we'd have to stay overnight wherever we were and lots of, it was hard yucca really. I mean, but it was fantastic because the people that we went to, they just loved it. It was really lots of fun. But anyway, so then we found this tiny, and I mean tiny, shop, which is probably smaller than my bedroom in Gundawindi Courtyard near the shop. So we put a table and chairs there and people then wanted to stay and chat. And so we go, oh, they really need a coffee, don't they? So, you know, well, let's just bring in our coffee machine from home. I mean, none of this would pass muster these days. (laughs) I don't know how many laws we were breaking, but we just brought the coffee machine in and we just, for a gold coin donation, we'd just give them a coffee, like a, you know. And then we decided, well, you can't have a coffee without cake. And we were, I loved to bake and Kelly was a great baker too. So we started making cakes and bringing in, so for a, you know, gold coins so they could get a piece of cake you know a cup of coffee and you know that would increase the amount of time that they would hang around the shop too you see so it was always an ulterior motive (laughs) yeah like you yeah um anyway so uh, that was that went on and it it did start to grow with the whole food side of it started to grow a bit and we we ended up doing um we'd have one day a week where we would have food so everyone in town got to know that, right, Wednesday's the day, Three Wishes has food. So you got to book in if you want to get a table. So we had all these regulars that would book their table every week and we'd, um, we'd do our food and literally so many food safety laws broken, I tell you. We would cook it at home because we didn't have a kitchen in the shop. So we'd cook it at home. Then it would come in the car an hour to town, obviously in the esky or whatever. We'd drive all the way into town and then and we'd heat it up in town and we'd serve it up and everything. But honestly, people just, they loved it. It was just such fun because they knew they'd get something different every week and they'd get to have their regular, you know, little get-together with their gang. Mm. So it was really great. But after that, it sort of, Things moved on and Kelly um, decided moved away. So I, she sold out her share to me and I struggled on on my own for a while with that. And this is all while the kids were tiny and so they were going to daycare in Gundy. 
and I just they were always the last child to be picked up from daycare and um, you know they would always they'd have their dinner at daycare and then they'd have to because the minute you put them in the car to drive home they would be asleep and I'd just have to pour them into bed you know when I got home so um I it was a really I I look back now at really my life then and think, why on earth did I do that? That was, I really made it hard for myself. <laughs> um, but it was a great experience. Um, when Kelly moved on, we had to, um, it all got a bit too much for me because by that stage we were operating really more of a, you know, five days a week cafe then. And I, you know, then I was having to employ lots more staff and, and handle them and that was all getting, and me being an hour from town, I couldn't be on top of it the whole time. Yeah. So it was getting tricky. So then I had, um, I noticed there was another girl that opened up um, a homeware store in town and it wasn't in a very good location. So as soon as I got wind of that, I promptly went round and knocked on the door and said, Hi. Um, I don't know if you know me, I'm Kato and I own the shop down the road and I think we'd be much better if we teamed up because I don't want to be in competition with you and you're in a really bad location. <laughs> so I think that we should <laughs> So we should team up. And so and she said, Yeah, no problem. And oh, so that was nice. Vanessa. I know, it's just great. So that was um, Vanessa Korish and there she's married a local boy, so the Korishes are very well known in in Gundawindi, lovely family. And so Vanessa and I just had the best partnership for years and years. And we ended up, um, we took her, the name of her shop, which was Nutmeg Home, only because she had the big expensive counter with Nutmeg Home engraved into the oh, front of it yeah. and the bags. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we thought, oh, well, I don't have any of that. We'll, we'll take your name and we'll, we'll run with that. Yeah, and so... Um, yeah, she had, you know, we had some great times and we were still down the down an arcade with this courtyard and we took over the, an extra shop at the end of the courtyard and um, and then we decided we got an opportunity to move into a new store that was sort of being renovated. and So we moved there and we actually opened up a much bigger cafe, went right through from the main street to the back lane. So we had the homewares and gifts in front and you'd go through to the cafe at the back but it all got, and I had a, a good friend because we started getting much more demand for cakes and all sorts of things um, to order especially. So we had a fr another friend who was an amazing cake baker, Erica Holcomb, her name is. And um, <coughs> she'll probably hate me for mentioning her name because um, she doesn't want to have, have any more cake orders anymore. <laughs> so don't anybody ring her up for a cake order. Um, anyway, she, she had a love of baking like me. And so um, she came on board to help cook cakes. And it's it just hysterical because she lived out at Yetman as well, which was, you know, now from town too. Oh. So quite frequently we would be meeting each other because where we go into town our roads sort of met half an hour from town so quite often you'd see us by the side of the road exchanging food and cakes and various things and we'd leave cakes in in mailboxes and that sort of thing to be picked up and by someone else and taken to town <laughs> oh, so just do, really huh? funny yeah funny times did you paint the um, shop then or no no, no painting. I was just too consumed by that business. Yeah. 
And I, I was always, I, I could tell always in the back of my mind, I need to get back to it, I need to get back to it. You know, I had these, it was building up in my subconscious, I think, and I thought I'm going to have to do something about it soon, otherwise it's all going to just burst out <laughs> willy-nilly. Um, so you, when the kids grew a little bit older, you were able to finally yeah. pick up the paintbrush again. Yeah, finally, finally. Yeah. Do you remember like the feeling of when you first started when you first started painting again, did you feel um, like scared or disappointed or inspired? Or oh god, all all those things because you just you go through this intense like I'm never going to be any good, never going to be any good, and what I can't get what's in my head, what I want it to look like, I can't translate that onto the canvas, you know. So it was it's very difficult in the beginning and I certainly it takes a lot of motivation to just keep pushing through that that particular because you get every time you start a painting you get go through this feel this series of oh this is so fantastic oh this is great yes and then you and then you go oh this is so crap Oh, this is terrible. Like it looks dreadful. And then you, if you can push through it and then you go, oh, hang on, it makes sense. And it's funny, I will never forget, I still have the painting. I keep it for a reason. The first painting that when I got, I got to a point where I went, oh, that, that's actually, that's good. That's, I'm happy with it. I, it's how I wanted it to look or it has come to a point where I'm happy with the way it looks, you know. I remember the... It was such an internally, uh, like a great internal feel-good moment and I can still replay the feeling now. I, I've got that painting still in the house, which it's nice to look back to that one. And do you um, remember the first yeah. piece of art that you ever sold to someone else? Yeah, well, maybe not the exact first but almost close. We, we actually, like my friend Terry Ann that you met, Yes. So, um, you met at the huddle and then last weekend, so she's a fellow artist. And she rang me up. This is in the first year that Sam went away. He was in year seven. And I was working out of um, the, <laughs> the little ATCO in the backyard, yeah. which was um, I was fighting with all the storage, you know, the camping gear and the, all the crap that goes into the storage. I was in the middle of all that. I had a space that was probably two metres by two metres. That's where I was working. Anyway, I remember Terry Ann ringing me up because she was in a similar sort of thing. You know, she's trying to paint. So she she didn't even have an ACO to go to. She's painting in her kitchen. <laughs> anyway, so she said, "How about we um, let's let's do a pop up shop in Gundawindi?" And I went, oh, "Sounds great idea. Yeah, let's do that." So we. <laughs> Well, because we're starting to, we thought, well, we're starting to paint and get a bit of gear together. We may as well put it out there and try and sell it. So we found this empty shop in Gundy and I did a pop-up shop for two weeks sort of leading up to Christmas and it people absolutely loved it and it just went gangbusters. It was so great and it was really great for us to finally put our artwork in front of 
somebody. I mean, we have our local art show as well, Aspects Art Show, which is fantastic. And, of course, we, you know, I had been entering things in that. But this was different because we could do more and it was only about six artists. It just got to about six of us local people. Some were painters, some were um, ceramics, you know, prints, that sort of thing. <clears throat> so it gave us all an opportunity to have a retail setting, you know, for a little while and, and just sell some work. And so that it was really helpful in getting us to the next step, which was really more commercial, going, okay, yeah, I could, I could probably do this. Like I could sell. They want yeah. to part with their money for my work. Yeah. Point <laughs> really. You, realized you could turn your hobby, your, your passion into a real business. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What, yeah. what inspires yeah. you? Oh, so many things. That's a, it's a hard one to say. I mean, uh, it's funny because people would probably look at my work and, and where I lived, they probably wouldn't relate that so much exactly to where I live. Like I'm not, I'm not sort of painting what I see realistically. Mm-hmm. It's more of I think I paint more of a, a feeling about things rather than so much of that is that. You get that um, from your I definitely, yeah, and color. Obviously, I'm all about color, and I think, and because that that they uh, a feeling about a work or a place that you're in is goes so much hand in hand with colors because colors give you a certain feeling, you know, when you look at them. Uh, but I definitely like I work walk most days, and uh, that's purely. It's not so much that I, for an exercise point of view, it's it's more of a meditation type of thing where it gets me in the right frame of mind for painting. And but you can't help but be. It's such a beautiful space out here, and especially at the moment, like the crops are all coming up. It's so luscious and green. And I mean, even when it was at its worst, which was not so long ago in drought. Mm. Um, there are still such great things to be seen and I think that's where the cactus for me comes in really big because <laughs> I'm surrounded by it out here. And really through the drought, I think it became a bit of a symbol for me because everything else was dead. But for some reason, the prickly pear just thrives. And I thought it, it was it's a bit of a, you know, I think, well, you got to take some clues from the prickly pear you know, he thri- thrives in a, you know, not such a great environment and, and can be very resilient. So I, I really have a thing for it. Um, and I just, aside from that, it's so, they're so sculptural, you know, they, they just are so amazing in the way they grow and the shape. So I, I just seem to be keep being drawn back into that, those sorts of shapes Anyway, so that, that features heavily. I'm a fellow prickly pear <laughs> lover in particular, except when you get yeah. little prickles all over you because I tried to oh, chop yeah. one down. Silly. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, to put in a, like, in a bit of a pot when I first started the Sonic. Um, the thing oh, that I man. find um, really interesting about artists is how do, you, how do you actually start a painting? Are you, oh. are you starting with an idea? Like I know everyone's different, but are you starting mm. with just an idea or a feeling or are you looking at photos or are you looking outside? Uh, well, interestingly, uh, like early on, I perhaps would have looked more at a photo or something of, say, if I'd taken a photo of a prickly pear or something like that. But I found um, 
it, it really sort of locks you in then to trying to make it like the photo. Yeah. So, and that's not how I wanted my paintings to be. Yeah. I wanted them to be a lot more free and, you know, and just sort of impressions of perhaps what I'd seen. So um, a big turning point for me was um, I went to do a workshop with a lady called Catherine Cassidy. She's an amazing artist in Sydney and um, does these incredible abstracts. Anyway, she taught me at that workshop was to, you know, take lots of photos and by things you see in nature or the things you're inspired by, look at the photo and really try to see shapes and things like that that you're drawn to and that you want to represent, but then put the photo away. Yeah. And then you just go in from the, um, your memory of what you've seen, so, which is just so fantastic because I think I turned a corner after that because I thought it doesn't have to be. You sort of cut yourself loose from um, being bound to making it look like something. You know, it doesn't have to be. It can be anything. And then learning to trust to follow where the painting wants to take you is another big thing. You just, you might have an idea about, okay, I've seen that shape, that's kind of what I've got in my head, what I might start with, but then very quickly it could become something else if you let it. <laughs> you know, you kind of got to let go and think, just be in the moment of making one mark and then thinking that mark has then dictated that I make this mark you know, and then it's sort of one step, it kind of just builds on itself. And you've got to be, I think I've learned to be a bit more open and go, well, I'd stand back and look at it and say, oh, just turn it upside down and yeah. see what it looks like upside down. Yeah. You know that one that you, I delivered to Cactus in Bloom? I yeah, I love that was one. That first one I delivered down to the shop that time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was one where it started out landscape <laughs> orientation. Yes. And then halfway through, I thought, it's just not working. So I turned it to portrait and it all just made sense. And, they, you know, so there are quite many that do that, yeah, and then, if, you, and if you think to do it. Yeah, and then how do you know when an artwork's finished? Oh, hard, very hard question. I think you get better at it as you go, but it's always a $64 million question. Is it ever finished? And most artists would probably tell you, no, it's not ever quite finished. There's always more you can do. But Sometimes uh, learning to... Sometimes better, yeah. Yeah, learning to know when to stop is very uh, good when you get to a point where you know, okay, I could do more, but I think I'm pretty happy with how it is and to me it looks resolved. It's when you get that feeling of, ah, oh, it kind of makes sense to you or, you know, I, it's also a process of elimination. Like if you go, go to make another mark and then you think, well, hang on, no, it doesn't really need it go to make another mark, it doesn't really need that either. And then you, if you get enough no's, yeah, well, I'll just leave it because it doesn't want anything else. It's not telling me it wants anything. So to know it sounds to weird, doesn't it? I'm often saying to mum, don't stop. I love it. Leave it how it is. Yeah. Don't let me walk out this door and you Yeah, don't do any more. Leave it, yeah. 
So what mediums do you love to work oh, with? I think we've got a bit of a mixture. Uh, I love, uh, well, it's funny because I told you I did those lessons about learning to use oils because I always had it in my head that I wanted to work in oils because they're so lush and beautiful. But when I had tried to do some workshops while the kids were growing up, I very quickly decided, you know, found out that I, t- I couldn't do oils. There's A, the toxicity of having them around and also the fact that you just couldn't, they didn't, such a clean-up and then you had, you couldn't really leave them and uh, well, you could, but you had to cover them up and all sorts of things anyway so they didn't dry out. And So I just did a few workshops in acrylics to, to try and teach myself how to use them. And to start with, I was I hated them because they dried so quickly yes. from compared to oils that I was like, oh, this is terrible. I can't, you know, blend it on the, you know. Anyway, but I, I pushed her and thought, no, I have to persist because it's, I just love the washout in water thing you know and and really I'm so glad yeah well I'm so glad I did persist with them because I love them now because it suits the way that I work now because I like to work really quickly so the quicker it dries the better now for me because I layer things and I like to um and I don't like to wait for drying in between layers um but if you're quick enough also you can still mix things on the canvas um but uh you know there are so many great mediums and things that you can put with the paint to make it glossier or longer drying or whatever you need it to do but i so i love acrylic but i also love collage as you know because i've got so many bits stuck to everything but it's it comes back to my very practical side because I hate to waste anything. So if I get paint left in the, the palette or whatever or on the brush, I've constantly got pieces of paper beside me that I'm scribble painting on for inspiration oh, and just test things out. So then I, I get rid of all the paint on the paintbrush on the paper and in the palette so that then I've got all these bits of paper with coloured whatever's on them and sometimes you get the most fabulous bits on the paper that you probably wouldn't have got on the canvas and also it gives a different because it's paper it's sort of a really different chalky matte sort of texture so to combine cut up a bit out of paper and stick it on to the canvas and combine the two different finishes I really love and it's a bit of a, um, sometimes I make the collage pieces very obvious and a feature, but other times I really like, it's like a little trick that I like to play if I can find just the right piece of, you know, cut out from a piece of paper that could have been painted two years ago. Yeah. And I sift through the box when paper goes everywhere to find this little tiny bit of paper. And it, it always amazes me how often I can find that it will absolutely fit like it's meant to be there, (laughs) which is a cause for celebration. You go, oh, my God, I found it, the piece. (laughs) It's like finding a needle in a haystack. (laughs) Anyway, so it gives me a great sense of achievement when I do that. Um, But the other one is oil sticks too. I love that's where my love of oils can be exploited. I love um, scribbling over the top at Usually it's at the end when things have dried to give, um, it's just a different dimension, you know, get, having a thinner, like a scribbled line 
also because I, I love drawing. I probably did more drawing in the early days than painting. And that's a way to express that as well. So I have some oil sticks which are really oily, which I can actually put on and then, you know, um, sort of brush in with my, you know, rub in with my fingers to give it an, a glossy finish or others are quite chalky and I just draw a line or something with them. So it's just whatever. I don't know. You just experiment. It's most of mine are happy accidents. Like that, <laughs> happy accidents. And how do you name your artworks? I love, I love um, oh, finding out the names. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to name an artwork. A, a because um, I mean, you can give a connection to what you had in your head, what you were inspired by, or the feeling that you had when you were painting it, or the feeling that it gives you when you look at what you did. Yeah. So there's a few different ways to approach it. Sometimes it's, that's what my morning walks are all about. Um, it's a time for me to just, words run through my head. Like I see things and I'll think of words and I'll sort of stash those away for later if I think of something good that, ah, you know, oh, the view or, you know, walking views or, or something would, you know, um, rise and shine or that would to do, be to do with my morning walk, you know, that might make a good name and I'll just sort of file that away for later and then, and then funnily enough, if some, sometimes the work will happen and then I'll go, that connects with that name, you know, or other times it's, it's, it's a lot more obvious like there's one in the exhibition that work that I've just given you which has got blue very bright turquoise blue bit on it that looks a bit like a fish so that's a bit more take it as you see it kind of blue fish swimming that you know <laughs> kind of look, looks like a blue fish swimming so that's what I'll call it so <laughs> can you tell everyone about your studio because it would be it's pretty much it would be a dream for most artists. Like it's just a colour cave of loveliness. Oh, yeah. That was a real game changer, the studio. Um, so I spent probably a couple of years working out the little outco in the backyard and I really, I couldn't do any work that was really big because I couldn't stand far enough back from it. So I knew I wanted to work big and that was getting frustrating and I knew I just needed to have a, a designated space, a better space with more room. So we had to have a whole heap of things done around the house, like maintenance jobs and various things. So I, of course, took that opportunity to say to Mick, I want to build myself a studio. I, I'm serious. Like I'm definitely and I think at that point he didn't realize how serious I was yeah and I think he thought oh okay just a little to accommodate my wife's hobby kind of thing and so we got the studio built I mean I'm very blessed that I have an architect's sister and brother-in-law no so wonder my sister Margot, so yeah. beautiful of course <laughs> yeah yeah so I had Lots of input from the architects. Um, so, yes, they helped me immensely in getting it just the right, well, the way I wanted to look at it and with the whole practical side of things. So um, we just had our local builder come out and he was doing everything else and he did a fantastic job because there were things like that were a bit tricky for him that it, it's a like a little cathedral-type shape where it doesn't have 
the traditional gutters running along the side. It's just the colour bond goes down and straight down the sides, you know. So that was a bit tricky for him because they don't normally do that. And they so it's a few bits and pieces. Yeah, but it yeah, also looks yeah. out onto the most beautiful vista of a big dam. Yeah. Like there's grass yes, it was and it's cloud. Very, um, yeah, it was very strategically placed because I wanted it to be, we, we made a little lake at the front of the house. And so, and from a practical point of view, that was where the most space was mm. beside that little lake. And, um, yeah, it, it just meant also that it could be removed from the house. So it's like, which I think is important because it means I have to organise myself, get my jobs done in the house and then go, right, 10 o'clock, I go. I'm going over to work. I come back for lunch. I go back again. And you leave the house. You're not distracted by the washing machine and the things you have to do in the house. You go away and you can get absorbed in what you're doing. And then you fit your other stuff in around it when you come back to the house. So, um, but we joke about it. Mick says, I'm glad it didn't build a toilet over there for you because then you'd never come back to the house. Oh, my God. <laughs> Definitely would have put a toilet in there. Would you? Yeah. Well, you just can always do a bush weed, you know. You just go outside. If you can't afford to come back to the house. <laughs> yeah. So I love following Instagram. Um, as well and I love I think you're one of the most successful artists at using Instagram so I love seeing um, your work in progress and I love seeing how you actually get to yeah. the product not just the finished yeah. product at the end is that a strategy yeah well I think it's important because uh, it's just because I get excited about what I'm doing and want to show people I can't like you I can't keep a secret I'm a bit bad at you know I like to so you know, good tip for everyone. If you want to know what works coming up, follow the stories because you'll <laughs> see it being created and then you'll see the most snippets of it through the stories before you, you get to use, see it. Do you love using social media? I do, although I must admit I am finding now where the work commitment's getting very demanding with the amount of work I have to put out that I'm having... Um, it's difficult to keep up, like, you know, because I, I just made myself a bit of a rule that I was going to do one post a day mm -hmm. and usually that's at night and to be consistent and I think that's paid off, like, just with the consistency because people, you know, they relax after dinner, they go, you know, the people they're following, what they're doing, what they've done today, you know, so they scroll and then they expect, they get used to, they'll go, oh, I know I'll see something from Kate and I'll be able to, keep up with what she's been doing so it's sort of one post a day and then stories um you know anywhere from three to five to more because if i'm in my you studio working and then you get millions yeah you get lots because i'm like woohoo this is happening and this is happening and this is happening you know but then of course there are days where i'm not in the studio and i'm away traveling or something where i don't get many on um, but, you know, other things that interesting people like to see, I think, well, I get excited when I go to my printer, you know, or my framer, and I get something back that's been beautifully framed and I go, oh, I just made it look a thousand percent better, you know. it's So it's nice to, and I think it's important, I, I think, especially because I live rurally and I know my local guy, he just, he is so good to me. This is Wayne Pratt. Photography. He's a photographer. He prints for me. He frames for me. 
you know, it's a bit of everything. I mean, I've got other printers in cities as well, but I think it's it's just that bit harder when you're a one-man band in a small town to get your, you know, your materials at a good cost and, and all those sorts of things that he does such a beautiful job. And what's more, he if I go in there because he knows I drive an hour to town and he knows that I need things straight away, I will take like two or three paintings in there in the morning and he'll say, yes, all right, come back in a few hours and I'll have oh, them done. Wow. So it saves me another trip. So it means that I can go in there, spend all day doing my jobs and then go and pick them up before I go home and they're done. You know, so it's, he is invaluable for that sort of royal treatment that I get. And he does it because he wants my business. You know, he wants to keep and he loves, he finds it exciting to see what, I bring in. <laughs> oh, see, that's yeah. so good. It's nice when you can yeah, it's great. support local as well. So what's yeah, it like yeah. to be in the art community? Like when I look on Instagram, oh. it seems pretty supportive in like I see artists yeah. congratulating each other on stuff. Is is that yeah? Is that what happens? I, uh, I have to say after working in fashion, <laughs> this is like... Awesome because, yeah, fashion is so competitive and bitchy and all of those things that you people you read about, it is. And I was just so astounded that the Instagram community, the creators are like that. They are so supportive of one another, which is amazing because, and I get a lot of direct messages asking for tips on, oh, how did you do that? Or what paint are you using? Or what glue are you using for the collage? Or, you know, all these tiny little things that I kind of, I either learnt it from someone else or I worked it out on my own. But I think, well, there's no point not to share it because Mm. that was me. I was at that point at one time trying to learn. And if you don't learn it from another artist, who are you going to learn it from? I you know, know, I know. So you have to share, at, and I don't think it's—I uh, I think it's all for the greater good. You know, in the end, totally. So it's nice I, to have I, that support when um, you're working on your own. Yes, completely. Because we—I think that's why I'm enjoying, um, you know, my isolation. As it is, I'm learning, I guess I don't notice the isolation because that's how I work anyway. But I think it. You can work like that because that's why the stories, you know, you're, you're just putting them on and you're getting feedback, instant feedback all the time, which is gratifying and it gives you that little bit of a boost if you are feeling a bit low and, oh, no, I don't know about this. Someone might suddenly you'll get a message pop up and go, that's fantastic, I love it, you know, well done, and you'll go, oh, okay, I'll keep going, I'll keep going, <laughs> push through, you know. <laughs> But I also must admit, Terry Ann is my big um, sounding board. It's very, lovely as much as Instagram is great, yeah. It's, we, do, we are blessed to have a really great um, local art community in Gundawindi. So I do have a lot of arty friends in Gundy. Um, Terry Ann is particularly one that we're messaging each other all the time. So she gets to see all my work first because she gets to see it in its not-so-pretty stages and I will text it to her and go, oh, this is crap, what do you think? <laughs> and she's, you know, or I think it's finished and then she'll say no, <laughs> don't think so. Or she, I can always count on her to give me her very honest opinion, which is, and maybe just jolt me into thinking 
looking at it differently and that will then uh, I'll, I'll come to be able to do the last thing it needed or something like that. So I think it is important to have those friends, you know, that you can be sparring back and forth with, you know, to keep you on track. And so what gives you the most joy being an artist? Uh, look, I'd love nothing more than the. I must admit, I probably like the beginnings of doing a painting more than anything because that is the point where you can just literally splash it on with a total abandon. And because I'm very, um, very organised in the rest of my life, I, that, that's quite deliberate. Like I, I want to do that because it's very freeing and I just think, oh, it's just going to be whatever, you know, it doesn't matter. But I must admit that every time I go to start a painting, I do have a little mantra that I say to myself, which is it doesn't matter what it turns out like. You just do it because it feels good, you know, and just don't worry about what it looks like because then other, otherwise I find you locking yourself into there's all these people in your head about expectation of what it perhaps you think it should be to please perhaps someone else. Mm -hmm. So I find that's important just to try and let go of all of that so that you can just paint freely. Um, because I find once you've done that, like splash, 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 and then you go, oh, now the hard part, how do I make sense of this? How do I make it work? <laughs> that then gets a bit trickier. But um, I think I read a really, really good quote by someone, I can't remember who it was, but I think I put it on my stories recently. And it was another artist, obviously, and he'd said, you know, when you go into the studio, you go in there with your family in your head, your, your work, you know, be it your customer or all your stresses and the other people in your life. And he said, if you're lucky, one by one, the longer you're in the studio, the more of them will leave, leave oh. you until finally it's just you. And then hopefully you'll also leave yourself, you know, oh, when you're in. I love that. So that it really is truly just your subconscious or your soul painting rather than your head, you know, what's in your head. And I just thought that is so true because the best stuff really comes out when you don't have all the other people swimming around in your head. Oh. That's why I don't do commissions because <laughs> I love you can't, it's so very you. hard to work. You've, if you do a commission, and as much as I admire people who do them greatly because it is difficult because you are working to someone's agenda yeah. and I think... Um, I don't know. I don't think I would do my best work if I had someone else there in my head that I was trying to please. Yeah. So I much prefer to be able to just splash out what's in me and then have that work find the right owner. So have that work connect with someone who loves it for what it is and they really make a connection with it. So then I just think that's a more truer uh, they have loved what I've truly created, you know, and they've just made this amazing connection and it makes them my, the best part of all them for me is when that happens, when you get someone who finds the work and just goes, oh, my God, I love it so much, I have to have it, and then they put it in their house and I get lots of beautiful messages saying, I absolutely 
love every time I walk past it, it makes me smile. Oh. And I think, yep, achieved. Perfect. Tick. You know, Done. tick. Yes. And, and what do you yeah. find to be the most challenging part of running your business and being a creative? Oh, well, I am finding at the moment, um, I, I've actually just told my husband I'm going to look for an assistant, <laughs> someone to come and help me one day a week perhaps because I do find now especially, I think it's important with the social media if you want to keep up with it, people love seeing particularly videos of you painting or you doing what you do because they want an insight into how that was created. And so that video is really important, but it is really, I mean, I do time lapses all the time because I can set up the thing on a little tripod and put it, you know, and it'll just film me doing that. But then I do try to do little videos, holding the camera in one hand and trying to paint the other while trying to keep the camera on your actual hand and paintbrush <laughs> is really tricky. <laughs> So I, I want someone who can come out here to my house one day a week where they can come and take some photo, video footage of me while I'm working, but also to do help out with a lot of the other marketing and admin types of things because I am finding the more the business grows, the more that side of it grows and it's starting to take over, yeah. um, you know, if, you, if I create one work, that one work has to be then catalogued all the photos that go with it it has to be loaded on the website the spreadsheet the archive the you know jumbled or greenhouse or wherever it's going you know in all these different places and it creates an immense amount of just admin work mm. to get through mm. so um you know when you're creating a lot of work in short space of time it just seems to grow like a monster and what would be, like you've done so much already, but what would be your dream project? Ooh. Mm. I don't know. It's sort of ticking, pretty much ticking all my boxes at the moment. I think because I do have a love of fashion and textiles, I, yes. I do dream bucket list for me is getting artwork on be it clothing or cushions or quilts or to combine the two because I love fabric and textiles and all of that stuff so that's probably a big goal oh my loving God. that I would love a Kato and maxi dress <laughs> yeah there you go so we'll have to find someone with the maxi dress and yeah get them together so do you have any advice for any artists out there who were wanting to turn their, you know, their passion, their talent, their creativity into a full-time job? The best thing I probably ever um, learnt from another artist, I did go to a workshop and she um, played some videos of other artists doing things and there was one thing that, um, came up and it was that this they've done an experiment where they had a group of artists that they'd said um, you've got six out like you've got a day or something to create an artwork and you take all that time to just create the one or then to the other group of artists that 
you've got the day to create as many artworks as you possibly can. So when we're finished, you're going to compare the two and see which group has the better quality work. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, it was the group that did more quantity over quality. So from that, I took a really big lesson and that's probably dictated the way I work now is just, just get in and do it. Don't think too hard about it. Just churn them out. Just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. And at some point, you'll come up with some successes. <laughs> so instead of getting bogged down in one painting and labouring over that, if it's not working, sit it in the corner like, an, in, like the naughty corner and just go, I'm not looking at you, start another one. You know, move on. Don't get oh, caught up in... That's great advice, Kate. That's really good. And I, I think um, what I love about your work is that see-throughness, that... The, and you can tell the brush strokes are wild and have been painted on so beautifully. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like that yeah. brings us to the end. So we're nearly about to yes. drink our champagne that we've had poured. <laughs> so that brings us to the jumbled mix bag. Are you ready for it? Mm. Okay. Oh, I hope so. I hope I can answer all these <laughs> well. Be fine. Okay, go for it. <laughs> what is the best piece of advice that someone's ever given you? Well, aside from what I just said, there's that, but also um, I think the other thing was that, and the artist that I did the workshop with, Catherine Cassidy, had said to me at the time, she said, just say yes to everything and figure out how you're going to do it later. Well, and you clearly so, do that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need that advice. You know, she was she was talking about, you know, when people are offering you an exhibition or something, um, just, you know, because you don't know when, how often you're going to get those opportunities and things. So if you just think, okay, we'll say yes, don't, don't stop and think about it too much because you might doubt yourself and think, can I do it? Oh, maybe I can't do it. Of course you can do it, but just say yes and then, then you're committed, then you have to do it, then you figure out a way to do it. I think it's good for life, life in general. Yeah. Do you yeah. have a secret talent? Oh, well, I've probably told you about all my other past things that I've done. So I guess I'm a pretty good baker. So oh, that's yes. my, yeah. So um, half the district has a lot of my recipes around. So the baking... I am a really good swimmer too, though. Oh. That's probably a secret talent. <laughs> I don't do a lot of it anymore, but I have done the Hell of the West twice in swimming, so I'm pretty proud of myself for that. I don't know what that oh, is. It's a, it's a massive triathlon in Gundawindi, yuck. so it's a 2K swim in the river. Oh, yeah. yuck. No, thank you. Yeah, no, yuck. <laughs> if you could only paint and wear one colour for the rest of your life, what would it be? I probably would have said pink initially, but I think I'm probably leaning more towards a pinky orange colour, like almost a tangerine or something. Yes. yes, I do. And you can tell I love orange because I'm wearing the jumper, the red (laughs) jumper. (laughs) What to you is the dreamiest colour combination? All shades of pink and green are amazing. This is hard for me to choose just one colour combination, of course. But all shades of pink and green together are mm. outstanding. Mm. But I also have a love of um, like in that sort of ochre colour with pink. 
Mm. Yeah. That's one of my favourites. Yeah, that's nice. And probably if I had a third, you'll let me have a third, is um, turquoise and and like olivey greens and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. All the (laughs) colours really work with all the time. Yeah. 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 If you're on a deserted (laughs) island, what three things would you take with you? Well, funnily enough, it probably wouldn't work for long, but I do perhaps a pencil and a sketch sketch pad. But... Um, that's yeah, but well, sorry. <laughs> yes. No, that's all right. You can have um, Canada's one. Yeah, there's one. Um, but aside from that, because we're in the digital age, not that it would last long on a deserted island, but if I could take my phone for the pure reason not of calling anyone, I use my phone a lot for uh, I take a photo of my artwork and then I use the pen tool on the photos to scribble over the top of the photo to it's like doodling so i do that instead of sketching you know some people do visual diaries and they sketch away no it's all good well i do that on my phone to my photos over the top of the work oh cool yeah i really that's that's a pastime for me so i find that hard to live without now it's like i do that every night yeah Oh, lovely. Yeah, so much work. That and chocolate. I'm sorry. I have no, to have chocolate. No, there's three things you're allowed to <laughs> If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing? Working for you <laughs> in your store. <laughs> I love your store because oh my I... God, please, I'm, I'm moved to orange. <laughs> I do love orange. I'm a bit, you know, I am loving orange, as you found out last weekend. But I just, I admire everything about your business, the way you conduct your business, the fact that it's so multifaceted is, because that's sort of what I was getting into before and what I, you know, had I, so I had a choice to either go painting or take that further and I chose painting, but yeah, aside from that, definitely I'd be working That's that's why I love you. Thank you so much for talking to me today. And um, thank you for saying yes and biting off more than you can do to our exhibition. Thank you. And hopefully it's been a huge success. And um, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening and sharing a glass of bubbles with us. Please subscribe if you want to hear more and share it with all your kick-ass businesswomen friends. So until next time, stay fabulous.